Good morning and welcome to episode 17 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, my guest is Bruce Stigler from Bruce Advertising and Design out of Seattle, Washington. Bruce is a solopreneur, a very skilled designer, and a beekeeper. We talk about his beekeeping hobby, which is pretty damn cool. I found that quite interesting. Bruce has got over 13 years in at Hornall Anderson before leaving and starting his own little agency. Uh, we chat about his journey through all of that and also his switch over from, uh, you know, originally an illustrator path, trying to become an illustrator, and his changeover to designer, more de- graphic design focused. Uh, really enjoyed my conversation with Bruce, and I know you will too. So let's get right to it. Bruce Stigler. <laughs> Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Bruce, are you ready for a Quickie? I'm ready for a Quickie. Beautiful. (laughs) Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, I am currently a solopreneur, um, but I've had a long history in this business. I've started at, uh, as an intern at um, uh, Cato Johnson in Cincinnati, Ohio, so um, which is now LPK, a um, pretty good sized firm there, but that was kind of my introduction to graphic design. I thought I wanted to be an illustrator until I did a project for a guy, and I ended up drawing his head. I think 13 or 14 times. And I said, done, <laughs> not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, from there, I, I went, I started a business with uh, Dan Fine. We started an advertising agency. So I was an art director partner in an advertising agency for about eight years. Um, uh, we had a little parting away is not in a bad way, but just kind of swapped out mm-hmm. and kind of fumbled around for a while. I was a creative director at a Chopsky shop. And then uh, a senior art director at another advertising agency, and um, they closed their doors, and I kind of was freelancing and stumbled into Hornell Anderson, who I didn't even know who they were, um, which was funny because I was in the ad world, not in the design world. Yeah, so, it's a tiny little, <laughs> tiny little company. <laughs> yeah, just a little company in Seattle, and uh, started working. Went in for I think at Christmas time, and went in for a day, and then came back. Um, I went in, actually, it's funny, I went in with three people the day before Christmas, came back the day after Christmas, and it was just me, and I went, what happened to the other three? And they said, ah, we don't need them, you'll be fine. And so, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I started my, my gig at Hornell Anderson, and I was there for, um, on and off for about 13, 14 years, so, yeah. Um, yeah. had a little business in between there that my wife and I did, um, so I took a break from the, the marketing world, well, took a break from the marketing world, marketing our own business. Um, and that was kind of fun. So, mm-hmm. and in and, our our brief little pre-interview conversation, you had mentioned that you're currently doing a little bit of beekeeping on the side, which I found really interesting. That is true. About six years ago, um, I I decided I needed a hobby, and I thought I'd pick the most expensive one I could figure. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a cheap hobby. No, I, I really, as you know, I was kind of 
the, the world of bees and what's going on with the world of bees, I, I felt like I had needed, I could do my part and it'd be kind of fun thing for me to do. So I built a couple boxes uh, myself and uh, got some bees and quickly realized that those small insects are way smarter than I am and never do what you want them to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like kids. Yeah. But it's been fun. It's been a, it's been a really interesting. I, I'm intrigued by them. I go when I'm like, it's one of the things when I go I have a creative block, I go stand out in the bee yard and kind of just watch the bees go in and out. It's very Zen. Um, and it's, they're really fun. It's interesting. So literally started a co-op out of it just because I have lots of friends who are interested and want to learn, but don't really want to have a hive. So I have people come over and hang out in the bee yard with me and, mm -hmm. and play with the girls. Gotcha. And do you harvest the honey from the hives as well? I have. The last uh, three years I've harvested honey. Um, the first year I had two hives. I harvested about, uh, about 40, 50 pounds of honey. Um, last year I had five hives. We ended up with about 350, 400 pounds of honey. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's it's, it's it's kind of mind blowing when you you think about it because you think oh what you know that's a little bit of honey but it's literally five gallon buckets of of honey um, I think I had three of those and they they're they're about 40, 40 60 pounds of how much honey gets in there so so you're uh, going to be printing the Stigler honey labels pretty quick here we ha I actually have co op labels yep I have a little co op Facebook page and and um, the people that buy in, they get the honey, and then I sell whatever um, excess. I actually have a lot of people that want to buy honey, and then we give a, I give a percentage to the bee conservatory to, to actually help um, research in bees and things like that. So. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's very fun. It's a nice side gig. Yeah, for sure. So I want to cycle back to your childhood. What was your childhood like, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood? Um, yeah, it's funny. My, um, my, my mom is particularly, was very supportive of me. I was always a, one of those kids. I like to draw, I like to, you know, color and, and, you know, I was always the best in the class, according to my mother. Um, you know? yeah, slightly biased, I'm sure, but I believe yeah. in your talent. A little biased, but the, you know, she said there was obviously talent there. And so she was always encouraging of that. Um, and I did. I really loved to draw. I mean, it was just one of those, it kind of was a passion. And, you know, it was back back in the days when schools actually had art programs still. So, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, that's really always been kind of my passion was drawing and, and kind of creative thinking. And, and I, I really, be, it was even more so than that. I was just very imaginative. So um, that was how I kind of started, I think, in this, this world of creativity. Mm -hmm. Oh. So you had touched on that you were thinking about becoming an illustrator, had a bad experience. And is that really what, not a bad experience, but you, you felt when you got into it that it wasn't really the right path for you? Yeah, I, I started when I went to college, I was actually in a fine arts program. Um, <laughs> so I kind of was bouncing around between graphic design and or not even really graphic design, but just fine arts. And um, you know, it's, it's those conversations you have with your dad, like, well, yeah, I want to do this, but I don't know if I'm going to make any money at it. And, and, you know, is it really my passion? I don't know. Um, but it was funny, like I said, I, I, I started down that course and I was painting and drawing and in fine arts. And I also was taking business and, um, business management classes along with that. Cause I knew that it would be a business of some sort if I was doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my, just happenstance. I, um, 
my dad's neighbor was the president of Cato Johnson um, back in Cincinnati, and, and I was going back for the summer, and I just went over and talked to Mort, and Mort said, well, come work for us for the summer, you know, just, it's an internship, you just get to kind of see what it's about, and like I said, it was just a whole world that I had not really been exposed to because I was so focused on doing art and art stuff. And even in high school, you know, there was just really about drawing and painting. And I remember the first crit, we were doing a um, natural snack pack. And literally I got to sit with a group of artists, uh, the designers and design directors and stuff. And they said, go ahead and try, put down some ideas. I mean, you know, this is just a brainstorm. We don't, you know, just because you don't have experience doesn't mean you don't have ideas. I'm like, okay. So I, I sat down my first day and was in a crit drawing ideas and putting stuff up on board. And I was like, this is really fun. And I get to draw and it is a little bit more tangible. And my dad would say, yeah, you might actually make money doing this. So that's okay. That's <laughs> you know, dads. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> So then it take us back to when you, you first started noticing design in the wild, out in the world. What did you start seeing first? You know, that's, that's, one, of those, that's one of the questions I left blank on this when I was going through the, the preamble. Um, I don't even really remember when I started seeing design. I, just, I think it was just intuitively I've always drawn and always kind of looked at the world in ways that, you know, as an artist and seeing stuff. And so I think that it just was – I just kind of assumed it was always there. I, yeah. think. I don't think I ever went, oh, wow, I just noticed it. I think it's just always been there for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally fine. Yeah. So what's been the most influential design of your life so far, either something you've seen or something you've been a part of? You know, it's funny. Seeing stuff, I'm always intrigued by design, and I love looking at it, but I think being a part of it is what makes it influential. I think being hands into it makes it influential. Mm -hmm. um, I was just talking with a, a client, a potential client, and we were talking about this Red Hook project that I had done. I was um, uh, managed design director. Slash design, it's a weird thing in Hornell. I was not really a design director, but I managed the account. Anyway, um, Red Hook was my client for about five five years. Um, oh partnered with a guy at Hornell, Larry Anderson, who was doing the Widmere business. And Larry was kind of my mentor at Hornell. He kind of helped me get out of the ad world and into the design world. And for five years, we did, you know, both, did, you know, kind of manage the account together because they are connected. And Red Hook, it was really a learning, one, it was a learning experience for me. And two, it was really satisfying to see kind of what could happen with a business um, through design. Mm -hmm. You know, we were able to increase their sales. We were able to get them relevant again in the grocery store. And it was really just all through some design and some great collaboration with the client and a good team of, of people. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that answer. Well, you know, whatever you have your hands on, you know, is influential because you have an opportunity to really change somebody's world or a business's world. Yeah, you're digging into it. I mean, you're, you know, design is essentially solving problems. And so, you know, the, you get in there and you start digging into it and you, you, you really start working through the problems. And, and I think it not only does it influence the outside world, it kind of influences you and your decision process. And so, you know, I think that just changes you. So looking at stuff, you go, Oh, that's really cool. And, and wow, how, you know, I, solving that problem is great, but I don't, I don't know how much it, it changes your perception because you just, you're not into the weeds with it, which I think makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. 
So now, social media. Do you feel social media has changed the world of graphic design or the design process? And is that beneficial or harmful? You know, I, I think everything that comes into play when when you're in the, this world does change it. You know, there's there's just there's always influences. You know, TV obviously influenced the advertising and, and print, and then you know, and and I think social media definitely is changing it. It's one of those things. That I don't know if any how many people are effectively using social media for marketing. It, it's kind of an interesting beast, I think, because it's not traditional marketing. You know, it's just people that kind of start following and, and chasing after somebody. And, and yes, they're marketing because they're, there's a constant conversation, a dialogue, visual dialogue and, and verbal dialogue with, with your consumer. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a much more passive marketing, I think, than, than a, a aggressively marketing type situation. Yeah, I guess because to to really qualify as aggressive on a social media platform, I mean, you got to throw some real dollars in there and be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and and you have to be very intentional about it. And I think a lot of, I mean, I think people do have some intentions, but I, I, like I said, I think it's a softer, it's a much more subtle approach to to building your brand and getting people to associate with your brand. And and you know, like there's times when I find that's almost. Um, and, and this is personally just overwhelming. Like you, you, you follow a company on social media and you're like, Oh my God, will you stop posting that same picture <laughs> over? I mean, it's just a variation of the same picture for Pete's sakes. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I liked it. I've moved on now. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. It's like, so it's, it's funny. Like, like you said, you see these advocates in social media and I'm like, ah. a lot of it's very similar. So I, I can see it can easily push people away or, become more white noise in mm-hmm. this world. You know? And I think that's the, the big thing is there's so much noise for us right now that social media just could become very noisy very quickly and easy to become white noise and tune it out. Yep. Yep. I can see that. So then who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow and what is it about them that you like? Hmm. <clears throat> I th- you know, now we're talking about social media. I think the thing that I've been following a lot more lately has been Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it gives you the ability to kind of curate what you see. And it, it, so it's an interesting brand to me because I think, um, you know, it's become it's its growth and, and what it's done has become pretty intriguing. And, you know, I have a board for bees and I have a board for carpentry and I have a board for design. And, you know, so you're able to, you know, other than, you don't get that same constant feed though. And again, it starts you, when you get the, the, the advertising pushes from them, you're like, Oh, okay. I've seen this B thing 900 times. So I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, of all the brands that, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, commercial brands. I think that that one's pretty interesting because it's personal, you mm-hmm. know, for me. So I, I like that brand. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about Pinterest is where Instagram is more of a, you know, for lack of a better term, a mind dump. Uh, you know, yeah. you think of here's everything that I've designed in my entire feed. Um, whereas Pinterest, you know, you could really tailor it to, you know, whether you want a package design or user experience design for a website. Like you can really it, it, a search engine. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, it's kind of a search, en- a visual search engine. That's what I like about it. It's, it's fun. I mean, I... 
like I said, the, the boards that I have, and then I, I find myself going down the rabbit trails and, you know, suddenly you're 12 clicks in and going, what the, where, what am I doing? I got, I got a deadline. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden Tuesday's over. <laughs> what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> so, um, Oh, where do I want to go with this one next? Uh, this one here. How do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audience? That one is pretty easy for me, and, and this is a kind of a, a big point for me in my design business is I think that I always talk with, check in with the client, how, is, how are we doing? How are sales? How have we pushed the needle? Have we done, you know, here's the goal. Have we got that goal? Are we exceeding or falling behind that goal? That's what this business is about. We're, we're selling products for people. And so the real gauge to me is, is it working for your client? Um, you know, I, I've won awards and, and that kind of thing, but I think the more important thing is that's why Red Hook, you know, I go back to the Red Hook thing. I, they, you know, literally a couple months after Ruby launched packaging, you know, they were saying sales are up at the register. We've got more shelf space in the grocery store because of the design. You know, those are the things that were like, okay, that's really exciting. Yeah. That's the wins. So yeah. when you're meeting with customers, then do you, establish a goal at the beginning and then you yourself are heavy with follow-up at the end to see and ensure that that goal is being achieved. I ask the client if they, you know, if they have a goal and if they, they have some expectation, sometimes I think you have to manage that expectation because the client goes, yeah, I want a double business. Like, yeah, probably not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see if we can bump it up incrementally or, you know, let we, there's things that you can do. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a question in that. Like, what, what do you want to accomplish? What, you know, why are we doing this? If it's just to make something prettier, that's great. But it's a whole different thought process than it is if I, you know, we, you want to, you want to increase sales or you want to get more traffic in the door. If you want to be more memorable to your, your consumer. I mean, those are the things that we need to start targeting and actually can work for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially, you know, design is so subjective. So that's that's why I think without those big target, without those targets, you, you can just kind of flail and, yeah. and do disservice. I like how you mentioned that you you follow up with yeah. with the customer because it's very easy to complete a project, get the paycheck, and be like sayonara. Yeah. Um, but you know, the follow up and keeping in touch and ensuring that it's still delivering on what their desired results are that's a, that's a really interesting point on there. Well, I think this business, the, the, the design business for sure, I think is about relationships. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you develop a relation when you're working that closely, if you're working in partnership with a client, you, you develop a relationship. And I think that's part of the relationship. It's not just to complete the job. Um, you know, and all true, ultimately you're going to say, if I have a relationship, I'm going to get more work. So for me that that's part of the process, but also, I want to know. I mean, I want to know if I've helped them. And I, and I think that when you have that partnership, you, you really care about their outcomes. So obviously, yeah, you're going to want to follow up and say, yeah, what's, how's it going? What, what happened? And so. For sure. Yeah. So I want to go to, I want to take you to back in time a little bit and uh, maybe it's going to be a sore spot, but I want to hear it regardless. Okay. Take us to a design or a project you were a part of that did not go well or bring uh, the desired result. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? What did it feel like? We've all got horror stories. I want to hear. Uh, I, have a, I have a great horror story. Um, 
I actually, in my in one of my in my stint at Horner Anderson, um, I was working on the Encarta brand, the Microsoft Encarta brand. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for probably about four or five years. So again, I started it as a designer, ended up becoming a lead on the project um, a couple of years after I had designed a few rounds of it. And we had a project where we had a design that our team was in love with and we had been working hard on it. Um, we were getting ready to do some testing and the brand manager was, I don't know if she was like, Oh, I can't even remember how she, she Anyway, they swapped brand managers on us. So we ended up with a new brand manager who came into the process. So was that a Microsoft brand manager or a Hornell? Microsoft brand manager. Okay, yeah. Came into the process and said, I don't like it. We need need to focus on the number of disks in the package. And we're like, what? Wait, no, nobody cares how many disks are in the package. They want to know what... Anyway, so we ended up... Lots of round and round, and we tried to design this package to this new direction, and we had a very short period of time. I mean, we literally were like three or four weeks away from having to launch the the, the design. So we we were scrambling. We were trying to meet this this uh, design parameters that we didn't really believe in, but the client's always right, and so we were we were chasing it, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the package did not turn out great sales were horrendous which we knew they were going to be um it was just a a big cluster and we'll just leave it at that (laughs) it was horrible it was it's the worst feeling because we like i said we had a design that we love we thought was on point Uh uh, and then to get something that we just none of us was satisfied with and you know it's just it's time. I mean, there's a deadline. The box has got to be printed. The discs have got to be pressed, and you've got to you've got to meet this deadline. And so, does that uh, does that come back on Hornell then if it doesn't go well, or does that you know does some executive at Microsoft see horrible <coughs> sales and go to Hornell, or do they go to the brand manager and say what's the deal? I think there's you know there's shared culpability for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's our job to try to push back and and. and guide and tell people this is not the right idea in which we tried um and then it's you know it's your job at the end of the day to try to make the best of whatever you're given and, and do it in a way that that works and it's just we just knew i mean in our you know and you know it's just one of those things you're in this business enough you go people we know that this is going to resonate with people and and the other thing i tell people design is a process and you can try to speed it up and but you've got to sometimes give time for things to cook and, and to, to work through those, those things because it's just a process. It, yeah. you know, it, it just takes time and it takes steps and you've got to go through some iterations and you've got to kind of go maybe down some wrong paths to find the right paths. And so if you shortcut that process, you're going to get, you know, sometimes subpar design. It's just, it's just how it is. I mean, it's not a, it's not a turn, turn it, Turn a switch and here, here's your package and you're done. It's, it's definitely a process. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to turn it around and bring the sunshine back to it. What's okay. a project that you've been a part of <laughs> that you are the most proud of? The one that makes your heart sing? The, the one, one of the ones, there's a bunch of them. I have a lot of stuff that I'm really proud of, but I think one that I'm super proud of is I ended up getting an assignment for cat litter. A little a cat litter ad, a little quarter page, nothing exciting. Go on. We, we <laughs> to do it, um, 
and our the uh, creative director was out sick. And so I kind of was tasked with handling the project and just kind of going with it and solving this project. And so, so this look, sorry, this was early on in your career, or wh- this, where is uh, this in the time? It's about midway through my career. It was, it was um, at, at a, a small agency that had hired me away from the Chopsky shop, and so okay. it was just kind of an interesting place. But anyhow, had a week and came up with the concept, photo shoot copywriting. I did it a little, almost all of it. Uh, Mike Hayward actually came in and helped it. Who's now a creative director at a, some shop in Seattle. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, he helped me with some of the copy and stuff, but literally it was just a quick um, in and out and ended up winning a creative gold award for the ad. Wow! <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things like it was done in a week. I was really proud of it. And then ended up after I'd left the agency, I got this, award mailed to me <laughs> about three months later. I'm like, Oh, Hey, look, I want, I want something for it. Too. That's <laughs> cool. But again, and the client loved it. And it was just one of those ads that, you know, was just clever enough that it resonated really well with people and, and did well for them. So that's cool. That's a fun one. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, but the, the craziness, and then again, the process doesn't have to be months and months and months, but you know, it was only a week, but it literally was, you know, something that happened quick and fun. So, Mm -hmm. All right. So what piece of advice would you offer to new design grads looking to learn uh, or make their mark in the industry? Um, I I think there's a couple things I'd say. The first thing is the client's not the enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that for young designers that, you know, that they have this, they're creative and they want to do stuff and then they get frustrated because the client, it, it, Design subjective, you know, so you can't take it personally. You're trying to help them sell their product. They know what they do. You know what you do. Embrace that, you know, and I think that's for young designers. I think that's sometimes a little tough, you know, it's like, oh, it's they're critiquing my work and and they don't know what they're talking about. I'm like they do because it's their business. (laughs) So I think that that's the first thing I tell people. And and the other thing is, is have fun. You know, this is not brain surgery. You know, it's not, not life and death. You, you, we get to kind of play and color and think and, and create for a living. And, and it's something we should be able to have fun at and just don't take it personally. You know, it's just have some fun and and accept the, the directions and challenges and, and roll with them because it's part of this business for sure. Take your lumps and keep smiling. Yep, exactly. And, I, you know, I there's lots of good ideas that have been left on the boards, you know, and, and or have not made it to the shelf. But. Um, it's, I've always had fun just getting, getting, having the idea. I mean, I'm, I'm just as happy to look back at my sketchbooks and, and my tissues and go, yeah, that was really good. Too bad they didn't pick that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you still got it. You got it. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's still here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to wrap up here. Last question. What is one design product or a tool or website or community that you just can't live without? I am a huge proponent of pencils and sketchbooks and I um, it's one of the things that it's for my process when I sell my clients I tell them I sketch I do stuff on paper and with pencils so that I can ideate quickly Um, I can throw stuff out quickly and you know it really is I think part of the process that um, is a little bit of a lost art I've seen it coming back a little bit more um, you know, there's for a while, everybody just worked on computers and I'm like, no, just 
pick up your pencil. It doesn't have to be a work of art. It's just, it's a way to ideate quickly, you know, and that was, that's the funny story of Hornell Anderson. When I first started Hornell Anderson as an art director, we had a, and it was in Carta presentation and they have the big download. We're set at the crit wall. They talked about all the, the parameters and, and they said, all right, two weeks, come back with some ideas. And I was like, you mean after we do the sketches for a couple hours and then we're going to come back and talk about it? And no, no, no. Just, you got two weeks ago. So, you know, I'm an art director. I start sketching out my little thumbnails. I had two weeks. So I had about 100 thumbnails <laughs> that I came back to the <laughs> with. And everybody else had a couple, you know, computer printouts. And I'm like, I just don't work like that. You know, I, I've got to work through this process out of this hundred. Here's three ideas that I think make sense. And here's why I got to them. Mm-hmm. And it, it literally is, is part of my process and something I totally embrace. And I carry a moleskin and I carry a, I actually have a mechanical pencil so that I don't have to sharpen it anymore, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's yeah how I work and, and how I think. That's great. Uh, Bruce, hang on the line after I, all right, just Dave hopping back on here at the end. A moleskin and mechanical pencil. Those are the tools. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Bruce Stigler from Bruce Advertising and Design. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did conducting it and putting it together for you. And be sure to find Bruce on Instagram. It's at Bruce A plus D. And uh, he's got some stuff on there about the beekeeping hobby, some design stuff, some print stuff. I like it. I dig his page. Have a great day.